I want to take a few moments, and I won't tell you how few, because if I tell you how few, you look at your watch and say, few have already elapsed. <laughs> to share with you briefly why missions. One of the, the things that I, one of the plans that I had was for the missionaries to tell you what they're going through, what their experiences are. And then to come with the Bible to say, this is why it is happening. The, the, the reason for, for leaving home and leaving a family and leaving friends and leaving environment. There has to be a high calling. Uh, you know, a number of young people are leaving their homes right now and going to fight for ISIS. But they go with a death hope. They go with a death wish. But when missionaries leave... They do not go with a death wish. They go with the purpose of making the gospel message of Jesus Christ known so that those who are in the throes of death might find life. That those who are living in darkness might see the light. And I want us as a congregation to know that there is a Bible basis for missions. There's a reason we do it. It's not just a program we have. And so I ask you to turn in your Bibles for the next few moments to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. And I'm going to read the first two verses of this text from which the basis or the answer to the question, why missions? Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. In chapter 8, not unlike what is happening in the Ukraine, there's a takeover. There is a nation usurping its authority and another nation. And when you look at verse 22, then they looked to the earth and behold distress, darkness, gloom, anguish. And they will be driven away in darkness. Then chapter 9. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea. On the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in the dark land, the light will shine upon them. This is the word of God. There are people who ask the question. There are people who are living comfortably. They've been living with their religions for, for, for years and years and years. And the question is asked, why do missionaries go into these countries and disrupt these people's lives? Here's a, here's a Muslim young man who's living in his Muslim religion. He has a good relationship with his father and mother. And the missionary comes in and says, you've got to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ, whom the Muslims do not believe to be the Son of God or died and is risen. And all of a sudden, his, his heart beats with a sense of, of anguish. Now, what do I do? I, I have followed my parents' religion all, the all, all my life. And now this man has, or this woman has come to tell me, 
And religion is not the religion that will get you to heaven. And all of a sudden, this young man is in walking a tightrope between faith and family. Why do the missionaries go and upset their lives? Why don't they just leave them alone so that they can live in peace? Well, friends, that sounds logical and it sounds okay if you're looking at life only from this life. If you're looking for, at life beyond this life, you've got to say you just can't. What, what do you think anyone would say if at this moment there is someone who has the cure for cancer and that person is keeping that information all to himself or herself? And 10 years from now, something happens that we get a hold of the fact that this individual who had the, 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 the cure for cancer has been keeping it to himself or herself. What would be your feeling? I've heard of missionaries again and again who have been told, you don't really believe your message. I say, why don't you think we believe our message? Because if you believe what you say, you believe you would have been here a long time ago. Now, I don't always buy that, but you can see what they're saying. If we have the cure and we say nothing, we don't really know that the cure really works. And so let's look for a few minutes to ask the question and to answer it from the Bible. Why missions? I always, I always love the story of the two Australian soldiers who were in a pub in England, London, England. And uh, when they went in, it was nice and, and uh, light. And by the time they were inebriated, didn't know where they were, it was time to leave, and they walked into the London fog. <laughs> And they looked and they didn't know where they were. How did we get here? And so in the shadow they saw someone coming. And they, they, they walked up to the shadow and said, Excuse me. Can you tell me where we are? And the voice from the shadow said, Who do you think I am? And the two Australian soldiers looked at, sailors looked at each other and said, we are in trouble now. We don't know where we are and he doesn't know who he is. <laughs> That's the world. There are people who don't know where they are and they don't know who they are. They're walking in darkness. And missions is needed because of the spiritual ignorance of the nations. It is an absolute must because nations are living in spiritual ignorance. L listen to what the text says. The people, people, human beings, tall people, short people, rich people, poor people. It doesn't matter who, children, the people who are walking in darkness, the people who believe that that there's life in a stone. Uh, the people who believe that there is life to be gotten if you bury the dead with certain expectations. We didn't have time to investigate all the countries, but there are people living in France today. Did you, did you notice during the, the upheaval that one thing that at least we didn't get here, I don't know if they had it in France, that one thing we didn't get here, we didn't get any spiritual input into how France was coping with the, the ter in terrorism. I watched it again and again. 
and there was absolutely no spiritual connection anywhere. It, it, it is known, it is known. It is said that France is the most secular nation in Europe. I don't know how true that is because they are getting more and more that way. Do you know that less than 1% of the people of Great Britain goes to church? This country that was, was a, 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 a Christian bastion not too long ago? Don't be surprised. We are going in the same direction here. People. The people who walk in darkness. There are people living in France. People living, living in, in London, England. People living in Amsterdam. A survey was taken in one of the European countries, and the people who were asked questions about what is Easter all about, less than 30% of the nation knew what Easter was all about. Imagine. And this is a country that knew once what it was to have the gospel not only preached to them, but taking the gospel to other nations. People, my friends, the nations are in spiritual darkness. You and I have the privilege of having the gospel. We hear it again and again and again, and we have no idea that there are people, people, sometimes we, and I, I confess to you that I, I had to work through some of this when all those refugees were coming from Syria. I had to work through it because I'm saying these are people who are trying to bomb us. <laughs> These are people who are trying to kill us. Do I have any compassion for these people? They are people. And not everyone who were a part of that voluntarily became migrants, children. I don't want to get into the politics of it. But there are people. They're hurting people. There are people who have a, a philosophy that this is what's going to bring them freedom, that if they give their lives to die, they're going to go to heaven. My friends, that's a lie. They're people. And God has a concern for the nations who are living in ignorance. That's why we read in our text, the people who walk in darkness. Walking in darkness is a euphemism for people walking a way of life that guides them, that directs them, that gives them a sense of direction for their lives, whether that is good or bad. I, I, will, I will, the description, the description of darkness is simply a euphemism for people who are living in spiritual ignorance, without spiritual knowledge. John read from, from Romans 10, how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach except they are sent? People need to hear and even though they might not be aware that they are in darkness, it is when the light comes and shines upon their darkness that they say, I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that. Do you mean to tell me that? And on and on it can go. We heard some of that yesterday. One of the greatest, most populated nations in the world is China, followed by India. I was watching an episode of, of Animal World or Animal Kingdom or something it's caused the other day, and, and they showed the, 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 the hundreds and thousands of people 
taking a bath in the Ganges River because they believed that a bath in there worshiping elephants would lead them to spiritual freedom. That's darkness, friends. That's darkness. In China, it's called an animistic country. That means they believe that there, there is life in this dead spirit from dead ancestors who can help them to live their lives now today as they desire to live it. That's darkness. That's darkness. But you will, you will forgive me, I'm sure you will. But I'm going to tell you another spiritual darkness. This past week, David Bowie died. And, and the, the thing, I watched it, I listened for it. And the way in which the news is portraying this man is such, my friends, that you believe that a God had died. They talk about him, about his music, and that might be so. But I want to tell you what one of his friends said of his music. Not one of the enemies, but one of his friends. He said his music was fun. His music was bad. His music was confusing. His music was pervasive, uh, perverse. I didn't say that. I read that. Yet he's portrayed as someone who brought hope to people. That's a fleeting experience, my friends. And if you follow the words you're speaking, it's not going to take you to heaven. That's darkness. So it's darkness all over the world. It's not darkness in Africa and South America. The people who walk in darkness, to walk, he's talking about their way of life. They live with that every day. Let, let me quickly, quickly go to the answer. One reason is because the nations are in spiritual darkness. But there's another reason for missions. And it is this, because of the spiritual interest God has for the nations. The people who sat in darkness will see a light. Who is that light? That light is Jesus. Matthew chapter 4. This, this passage we read from Isaiah 9 is fulfilled in the presence of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus went to Capernaum, to Zebulun, to the nations of Galilee. That's nations. And there, Matthew said, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea. These are words that came from Isaiah 9. Beyond the Jordan of Galilee, the, of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't James. It wasn't John. It wasn't any of the disciples. It was Jesus. Three things quickly as we come to an end. Because of the uniqueness of Jesus, people are able to see the light. The uniqueness of Jesus. Listen to what 1 John chapter 5 says. For this reason Jesus came into the world that he might destroy the works of darkness. The works of the devil. 1 John 5, 9. And so Jesus walks into the temple, into the synagogue. And as he walked into the synagogue, Mark says there was an evil spirit 
in the synagogue. And when Jesus walked in, that evil spirit burst out in convulsion and said, Jesus, I know who you are. You are the Son of God, and you have come to destroy us. The uniqueness of Jesus. No name causes the underworld to tremble like the name of Jesus. And that's the name that the missionaries are taking to the dark nations, to France, to the Ukraine, Brazil, to the other countries of the world. Read, read Mindy's letters and emails. See how close to us in Honduras we have darkness. And she's there with the name of Jesus for people who are walking in darkness. When Jesus was being dedicated, when Jesus was being dedicated, Simeon held that little baby in his arms and he said, you can let your servant depart in peace now for my eyes have seen your salvation. He is a light to the Gentiles. A light. The people walking in darkness. You would have been in darkness. I would have been in darkness if Christ had not become our Savior. So we have the light. And we do not dwell if we do not share the light. The universality of Jesus. The uniqueness of Jesus. Only his name causes evil to flee. The universality of Jesus. When Jesus was being crucified. John says in chapter 19. That Pilate put an inscription on the cross. Which was a way, says Dr. James Stewart. There was a way that the ancient used to tell you why a person was being crucified. And the claim of Jesus was he was king of the Jews. And Mark, uh, John tells us this. And the inscription was in Hebrew, it was in Greek, and it was in Latin. Unique. Listen. Pilate thought that he was in control of Jesus, his death. He wasn't. The death of Jesus was prepared before Jesus was born in Bethlehem in glory. And so God was going to work through Pilate. He was going to work through Caesar Augustus to accomplish the purpose for which Jesus was coming into the world. And so when Pilate put the inscription in Hebrew, in Greek, in Latin, he was saying Jesus is the king of the universe because Hebrew is the, Latin of, the language of religion. It is the language in which people have hope. They talk about the Lord is my light. That's the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language doesn't deal necessarily with the now. It deals with the then. It was written in Greek. Greek was the language of culture. It was the language from which the intellects get their conclusions about life. It's the language of art, where people express themselves. It was the language, Latin is the language of, of government. The government shall be upon his shoulder. What am I saying? I'm saying that there was a providential hand behind what Pilate was doing, showing that whether it is the Hebrew religion, whether it was the Greek Hebrew language, the Greek language or the Latin language, no language is without the need for Jesus Christ. No language. 
no land, no people. The finest of the arts will never get to heaven. Read Rome, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Romans, the government we still, we still order. Our government after the Roman numeral. That's the influence that Rome had. Government mimics what happened back there. Not everything, but most of it. <laughs> There's a Taylor Harrington. Every so often, Taylor comes to me at the end of the service, and she says, uh, Pastor, I have something to tell you in Latin. <laughs> See, I love the Latin language. I know it's a dead language. But you can say things in Latin that sounds so beautiful. It sounds like blah in English. But when you say it in Latin, oh my, wow. So I'm, I'm trying to get all, so she will come to, what, what, what is the Latin language? The Latin language, if you read to the Roman language, is the language of order. It's a language that brings control. So my friends, can you think of any other king, any other government to rule the government of our lives, of one that can bring beauty and truth and reality? That name is spread all around the world this morning. And there are people worshiping in the north of France. And there are people living, uh, worshiping in, in the Ukraine because the name of Jesus has been taken there as we are worshiping this morning. The universality of Jesus. Lastly, why well, call it the unleashing of Jesus? The unleashing of Jesus. Matthew 24, verse 14. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he said, The gospel, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached throughout the nations. He said that over 2,000 years ago. This gospel, the gospel that he brought from heaven, shall be preached to every nation. We call it the Great Commission. But he says that Great Commission will be carried out by people who respond to my calling. And he looked into the face of 12 men, and he unleashed them. Do you know something? That by the end of the first century, Rome was totally changed because the gospel had been unleashed to them by Paul and Peter and James and John. And India got the gospel because Thomas went there. And who knows where the other disciples went. Because when Jesus unleashes his church, the world is affected. That's what he said. This gospel, the only panacea for the pains and the perverseness of nations, is that the gospel comes to them. And from John, uh, Romans, I would say from John, from John reading Romans chapter 10, how beautiful are the feet of those that takes the gospel from home to France, to the Ukraine, to Honduras, to Brazil, to Bolivia. We have a little taste of this. Our holly is going to the Philippines in April. Janelle is going to the Dominican, or Haiti, I think it is. Just a little taste. And God speed the day, whether I am here or not, that there will be people who are going from this place to take this universal gospel 
of the unique Jesus because they have been unleashed by Jesus to take their beautiful feet with the beautiful gospel to the nations. Let's pray. Father, I trust that the reason for missions have been given, although hurriedly this morning. May the Spirit say to us what no human voice can say to us, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when Rome wanted to say that Caesar was God, Christians said, no, he is not. Caesar is a man, but Jesus Christ is Lord. May we be unashamed of proclaiming the same in the 21st century because Jesus is a universal savior. Whatever language might be written on that cross, Jesus is king. And so we thank you. Thank you for this weekend we have spent hearing and seeing and again hearing this morning. And may everything we have heard and seen be put into the proper perspective so that we will respond and we will continue to respond to God as he speaks to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.